Commercialism, decadence, technology run amok. Remind you of anything? Take your pick. Copal. Earth. The real Earth before this one. Caprica before the fall. All of this has happened before. But the question remains. Does all of this have to happen again? This time, I bet no. You know, I've never known you to play the optimist. Why the change of heart? Mathematics, law of averages. Let a complex system repeat itself long enough, eventually something surprising might occur. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am here once again with Palindrome Hannah. Hey, Hannah. Hey, Mav. So, let's see. Last week, Katia was here. Before that, you were here with Wayne. Now, Wayne's not here, so I, I guess it's just the two of us this time. It's going to be a really boring show with just the two of us talking about something we don't actually know all that much about. <laughs> yep, sounds about right. <laughs> Okay, so the topic this week, it's not really just the two of us. The topic this week was suggested by Maximilian. Maximilian, you hear me pimp his band at the end of every show, Thought Form Music. He is the one who wrote the epic theme song. Hey, Max. Hello. So Max is a musician and he is a longtime friend of mine. And we were talking, I think, after a football game a couple yep. weeks ago. And he said, you should do a show on reboots. Why should I do a show on reboots, Max? I don't actually remember this conversation, so um, you keep saying it was my idea, but I don't really remember that. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, it's something to talk about. There are lots of reboots. It's just like a ton of you know material to go through. I think it was because you'd been harassing me to watch Lost in Space, which I had not yet done. It was in Could my be. Netflix queue. I've now watched the first two episodes of Lost in Space, by the way. Okay. But, Lost in Space, a reboot of a classic television series that I enjoy and I, I'm actually very much liking um, the current TV show for an entirely different reason than I enjoyed the original. And I also am a big fan of a separate reboot, not the movie that everybody knows, but there, well, the movie's okay, but it's not good. It's not really. just, it's a, it's a movie. It's in and out. It's done. It's fine. But I was a big fan of this comic book series by Innovation Comics in the 90s that no one read but me and Bill Mooney, who wrote it, who played the original Will Robinson and is briefly in the new show. So, but anyway, the idea being that at least in theory, there's no new original television series. Everything's a reboot of something, even Riverdale, which we all know is the best show on the air. No, (laughs) we all agree. Yes, we do. Okay. So anyway, we wanted to get some people who also have thoughts on this. So we posted a call for comments on the blog, www.foxpopcast.com. And we were immediately answered by a former guest of the show. Natalie. Hey, Nat. Hey, what's up? (laughs) So Natalie posted, how come you didn't ask me to be on the show? And I was just like, I I posted a call for comments. This is, I'm I'm asking. I believe I said I was offended not to be asked. (laughs) Yeah, you were offended. Well, I I officially asked you right afterwards. I appreciate that. So so Natalie Shepard is, you're perfect for this because you, what do you do? 
Oh, um, because I am getting my PhD right now and my dissertation is all about adaptation. Uh, more about comic book adaptations than film or TV, but adaptation mm-hmm. still. Um, I look mostly at classics and myths and the Greeks and stuff, which is what I was on here before. So now we're looking at the other side. Right. You were on our previous show where we were talking about Odyssey and Wiccan and Divine. Yes. So. And then we also had a bunch of comments or well, actually I'd say a bunch, several comments from another friend of mine, uh, Mike Strauss. Hey, Strauss. Hey, pleasure to see you. Me too. <laughs> Whatever. So what's your expertise here, Strauss? Uh, believe it or not, I'm a writer who uh, published a couple of times and a few, my recent stories are actually remakes. They are Sherlock Holmes remakes of all things. Mm-hmm. So you have ripped off a yet another classic. Yes, I have ripped <laughs> off yet another classic. I also am a, a student of media, though I don't have the honor of having a PhD in it. That's all right. Technically, neither do the three of us. We're, we're on the way to, I don't know. <laughs> we will something. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Just don't even. So I've been asked in the last week, like by three different people. Oh, so how is your dissertation coming? Just leave me alone. Just At least your mother's not harassing you about job applications. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we thought we'd talk about the idea of adapting things. And, you know, Strauss, I'm, I'm, I tend to call Mike Strauss, which is his last name. So just deal with it if you're listening. So he, um, you mentioned something that I think is a good place to start. And, and Natalie also did the idea of adapting things. Not exactly new. We had the idea when we were talking about adapting lost in space. And also I think there's been like, like lots of revivals on television lately. There's been the revival of Will and Grace, the revival slash redo of Roseanne slash the Connors. And even, you know, one of my favorite television shows of all time, Battlestar Galactica is a reboot of the original one. What were you going to say? I thought you were going to say Manimal. No, Manimal is an, another of my favorite television shows of all time. It, I mean, probably best shows ever are Riverdale, Manimal, Battlestar Galactica. We can all agree on that. No. Anyway, <laughs> but but um, Battlestar Galactica is a reboot of a classic show as well. So and. It's a television episode, so I'm just going to do that the entire episode, just so you know. If, if anybody has not listened to previous shows, Hannah does not enjoy the greatest show on television. It's not the greatest show on television. <laughs> a good place, an actual original show, is the best show on television. Uh, yeah, the- none of us think that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyway, but the idea, uh, what I was just thinking was, the idea of rebooting things, not actually new because Sherlock Holmes there have been roughly 18 bajillion different versions in, t- in television and film and radio and comics and I mean I, get, I think there was a book once I don't know <laughs> but, but there but there are you know that is something that I think classically just gets rebooted a lot I think on our monsters episode Mike Chemmer is one of our guests said he believes Holmes is the most filmed character right before Dracula or is it the other way that that is accurate I believe okay um and actually like if we want to go further back than Sherlock Holmes or Dracula or you know any of the monster films that get made and remade again like the mummy uh I think someone brought up in the comments you know stories like King Arthur and Robin Hood which 
funnily enough, there's a film being released this month that's another adaptation of Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. He's being rebooted over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was we had a comment from I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Mark Schultes, I believe, is his last name, who talked about the fact that those are rebooted over and over again. So why do we do that? Why? Yeah, why? Okay, you said you're writing a version of, of Sherlock Holmes right now. So why reboot, rewrite, make a new version of Sherlock Holmes instead of writing, you know, your own detective? What's the what's the appeal of Sherlock Holmes? Well, I think the first obvious appeal is name recognition. Simple mm-hmm. as that. People have read the stories before. They're excited about the character. They have, I mean, it's the same thing we all do sort of when we uh, what, uh, partake of any type of media. We get involved with the characters. We get engaged with them. We want to know more about their story, more about their lives. Yeah, I'm doing a remake, some you know stories that aren't really Sherlock, not the original, but it's enough that it's something of the character that they want to know more. And I think that's where the where these remakes come from, or at least in part. There's also money, lots of money. Natalie, your thoughts? You study adaptations for a living. Um, yeah, I agree with everything Mike just said. Um, I think there's also this instinct to take things and make them better. Uh, and I think we've seen this since the dawn of adaptation. I'm thinking in particular of all the medieval monks who would adapt things like Beowulf or these really gruesome Viking stories, but make them super Christian so that they would be able to write them down. Uh, Yeah, and I think we see that same thing today when we have um, adaptations of, I'm thinking of the the elementary adaptation of Sherlock now, just because we're all talking about Sherlock, um, where they make him a drug Mm -hmm. addict and they make Joan Watson instead of um, Dr. Watson, instead of uh, John Watson. there's a lot of diversity involved in it that we didn't necessarily see in the original Arthur Conan Doyle. Uh, and I think that's part of it too, is making these works better for our particular tastes in our modern society. Yeah. Uh, actually in the Duke library in the Rubenstein archives, we have a version of Sherlock Holmes um, that focuses on the relationship, romantic relationship between Dr. Watson and Holmes. Uh, so, you know, people picked up on the homoeroticism from the original stories and short novels and decided to rewrite it to make that a bigger theme. Fun fact. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, and that's something we talked about, you know, if we, uh, to pimp older shows, if you go back and listen to our slash fiction episode, we talked about, there is sort of a, an appeal for both the writer, but also for the consumer. The consumer wants the familiarity. I want more Sherlock because I'm a because I'm a fan. But if you're a writer, if you've grown up reading, you know, Doyle stories and watching previous adaptations of it, maybe you just say, I want my crack at this. I want to be able to, you know, I have an idea for a story. I, I want something that lives in that universe. And this is your chance to do it. And maybe your version is a little different because Watson's female instead of male, or it's in 2018 instead of, you know, like you, you, you might make changes like that, but there is sort of, there is an appeal, I think, to, you know, sort of putting your own spin on the world. Yeah. I think adaptation has a lot in common with fan fiction in that way. And that we love something so much. We just want to be a part of it. (laughs) So maybe, maybe I'm just being picky, but we, we throw around the words adaptation, reboot, remake, and also talk about sequels, prequels, etc. Is there something that separates reboot 
from the rest of these terms? This seems to be kind of the thing we're talking about, or is it all different ways of saying the same thing? Definitely a difference. Um, what do you think of this? Uh, actually, I was did, I, I like, always like to do a little research, and I did a little research on this to begin with. According to some sources, the first re, the first reboot is uh, in terms of movies is Return of Godzilla. What makes it a reboot is that it was it stuck with the original premise, but ignored all of the history before that. So, so basically, the concept is a reboot is when you have a series when there's more than just one story, but you basically go back to the beginning and ignore everything that happened up to that, you know, that, that so far has been said about it. Okay. So then I have a question then. So return of Godzilla, 1984, yep. right. But on the last episode of the show, I was talking with Danny Anderson and he brought up the original Maltese Falcon, which is not the original Maltese Falcon. The one that everybody knows with Humphrey Bogart is actually a remake or a reboot or whatever, however you want to say it of a, I mean, of a film from 10 years earlier, which is essentially the same story. They just started over because they decided they wanted to do it better. And of course, obviously both of them are adaptations of a book, but so I'm wondering what's the difference between, and even in that situation, does it need to be a franchise or does it have to be, I mean, more than one story? What's the difference between the reboot of Maltese Falcon? I mean, the remake of Maltese Falcon and the reboot, or I'm also thinking of, you know, there's Raymond Chandler novels that follow different versions of Philip Marlowe, which might or might not connect to each other. You know, it is an, it is a franchise of which there were several movies, but is it a reboot when a different director and producer team take over and they ignore the previous ones? I think, I think it comes down to whether they're trying to rewrite history in a sense. If they're just, if, I mean, for all the Maltese Falcon ones, they're just, you know, is that movie and only that movie was being played with any other history that might exist. They were happy to stick with If Not that there really was any other history, I think at that point, except in books, but you know, and I don't think you'd have a reboot. If you wanted to just, you know, you know, rewrite the first movie in a series, but let every movie after that stick, you know, still last. Has that been done? If you rewrite the first movie in the series and I mean, well, if you remake it like they, well, I mean, you've got, I don't know, but like you've got like the most recent Halloween movie ignores most of the Halloween series, except for the first yeah, one. I bet Nicole, what you call that one. So, so, <laughs> Well, so no, but I mean, so it's insert, it's inserting into the middle, not the beginning. Yeah. And it's unclear when in the life cycle of James Bond, the James Bond, the Daniel Craig, James Bond films live. I think it, they are reboot, except that M maintains from the later films. But Bond is clearly earlier in his career and try not to think about it too hard. <laughs> yeah, they just don't care about continuity. And I think that's a difference because some things do and a lot of things don't. Like Star Trek. Star Trek felt the need to pretend that their reboot is all in an alternate universe. And they gave you a reason for that because they're just really pretentious. <laughs> I feel like it's not pretension so much as they just wanted an excuse for a Leonard Nimoy cameo. Perhaps. Good excuse. Don't we all just want an excuse for a Leonard Nimoy cameo? I certainly do. Yes. <laughs> Leonard Nimoy, where are you? Oh, oh now we're all yeah. oh, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know that that answers the question, though. So, okay. So I, I think like 2008 
Worst year of my life, comic book wise. Spider-Man, a brand new day started running and brought the downfall of those comic books. It, it literally <laughs> was a reboot in the sense that uh, Mary Jane and Peter Parker like agreed to the steal and it rewrote history. And so like a bunch of events that had been important to the comics literally didn't matter anymore because they never happened because they erased history basically. Whereas, or, or like if you look at the newest uh, Lisbeth Sandler, Sandler, I slander, slander, uh, film. They they really they like literally it's a soft reboot. It's like a sequel to the previous films, but also it's a soft reboot in the sense that they have a completely new director and a new cast, and they partially ignore what had happened before, but it's still kind of set in the same franchise. Where I think a remake just kind it, it it's it's a weird distinction. I think it just kind of like redoes what has happened before, but is not necessarily like set. In the same place anymore as history. Is that is that? Right? I don't know. Is the difference maybe that a remake is the same story? So yeah. Halloween, Halloween, like actual Halloween from the seventies, and Rob Zombie's Halloween are it's a remake. I mean, it is a remake of the same film. Both Maltese Falcon stories have the same storyline, whereas all three. Yeah, I actually said that that one's not called Maltese Falcon. I actually pointed that on the last show, but there are, yes, there are three film versions. Um, One is slightly weird and it's a comedy. It's weird. Um, But the Humphrey Bogart version remakes the previous story, which is a remake of the film. Whereas the Star Trek film, the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek film doesn't remake any particular earlier Star Trek film. It is a start over in a new continuity. The new yes. Battlestar Galactica is a start over. It is not the same thing. Yes. That sounds like a good definition to yeah. go with. Okay. So where does that put stuff like James Bond? Where it's just continuity only yeah. only matters as much. I mean, not even just James Bond. Not every movie's a reboot in James Bond. That's fine. Yeah. Well, and not even just James Bond. I mean, I say that uh, about James Bond just because it's a, it's an obvious example what, with the changing character and everything. But action movies that are popular from more from the comic book world, Transformers and and X Men. You know, those are movies that did really well, and the continuity of any given X Men movie remembers the continuity of of the one film right before it maybe and doesn't give a shit about anything else that ever happened and transformers doesn't even try try that hard like they're like the logic of previous i mean the logic of the current movie barely matters right (laughs) but like there's no you know like what happened in previous films isn't really explained or referenced or cared about at all and uh from one i mean they're they're sequels from each other in theory but only barely continuity is almost entirely kind of like Iron Man three. <laughs> <laughs> Iron Man three, a remake of the Incredibles. See, now everybody's going to think about it. And you're going to go, hmm. holy shit. It's a remake of the Incredibles. It is. It has the same plot as the Incredibles. The first Incredibles movie. <laughs> well, to be fair, there's, to be fair, there's only seven plots. Yeah. <laughs> no, it has the exact plot <laughs> of the first Incredibles movie. It is not a, I don't mean it follows the same plot template. I mean, it's literally the same film. I've, I've heard the same thing about Incredibles too. so. 
Yeah, more or less. But I don't remember all that PTSD in The Incredibles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, instead he just, they changed it to marital problems. <laughs> oh, well, that's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this is just a weird conversation and it's a tangent that I don't think we want to go down. <laughs> anyway, so a reboot has to start the story over from the beginning. And a remake, not necessarily. A remake is the same story told in a different way. So some reboots are remakes and vice versa. I think Maybe. that's as close as we'll get. And I think we're going to have to rely on the Supreme Court definition of porn beyond that. <laughs> we know it when, you, know you, see, it when yeah. you see it. All right. That's fair. Okay. So then and a revival is just bringing something back that's been gone for a while. That's Will and Grace, Roseanne. So Roseanne and Will and Grace do have reboot elements because they and I they both ignore the final season, the first yeah. final season or final episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, though I I never really watched Will and Grace. I have never seen an episode of Roseanne, so I don't know how I know so much about either of those shows. <laughs> um, thanks, Entertainment Weekly. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So Roseanne slash Connors completely ignores the final season of Roseanne and Will and Grace only ignores the final episode. As a curious side note related to this, uh, Roseanne is, as far as I can tell, the only television show that ever won the Nielsen ratings for its year that has had a reboot or a revival or whatever you want to call it. What do you mean? What do you, mean? you mean it was a top rated show? It's the only number one show you're yeah. saying. If you look at the Nielsen ratings for all the years they've ever done them for television shows, it's the only show mm-hmm. that's ever been the top for its year that's gotten any form of reboot, revival, remake. And I, I don't know. I mean, I was just thinking what else was really popular. Dynasty had a, but I don't know if Dynasty was ever the number one you're show. Right. Dynasty. Wasn't. You're right. Dynasty is the other one. Re- remake. It was very it oh, was in that- the reins. Oh, it was You're right. Dynasty like, counts too. Oh, okay. Good call. I think you looked that up. That was literally just off the top of my head. Hannah, say what you just said again. <laughs> oh, Dynasty is like remake on the CW tanked in the ratings. Like actually all of like the kind of remakes um, of like the old soapy series that the CW has done have not been great. 90210 at least lasted a few seasons. The Melrose Place reboot or revival, I should say. I don't think that did well at all. Mm-mm. The CW does supernatural stuff, superheroes. With pretty teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. And those are the two things that like have their ratings, that that's their ratings bread and butter, butter. And then they have really great but underrated shows like Jane the Virgin and Crazy Ex Girlfriend. And then Crazy they have the worst show on television, Riverdale. <laughs> no, 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 no. Come on. <laughs> that's, that's not fair. It's not the worst show on television. I'm just saying that. That's what's. We know you love the show. I love Sabrina. <laughs> I've not yet watched it. That's the next thing on my list. Max, I promised Max I'd watch Lost in Space first. <laughs> Do not tell me anything. I will. I, I'll probably be done with it by the next time I'm on the show. Um, so we've got terms and we've got a why. The why is we miss stuff or we want a new adventure or as the commoner mark said sometimes just to protect the intellectual property hey we've got this thing and you know we hannah we did the she-ra episode i I don't know that the main reason netflix wants a she-ra is 
to it's a lot of return to the great love of Shira out there because I don't know that anybody was really demanding it. I think they just had access to the property and decided, hey, this is a good way to make some money. So, well, so there's uh, there's that. I think this is a good way to make some money is probably mm-hmm. the central reason why most of these things happen. Sure, sure. And they uh, they they think they'll make money because they have a fan base, and so that's the cause of that. But generally, the motivation in making the decision, I think, is. And they're largely right there. I mean, people go see stuff that they recognize. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't saw the Baywatch reboot movie, but to be fair, I see every movie and I, and I, and I wanted to watch the train wreck. You know, that was was part of my dream there. I was like, oh, how bad can this possibly be? And by the way, it's real bad. It's, it's, it's bad. Um, It's as bad as you think it is. How can it be Um, that bad with Dwayne Johnson in it? But is that true? Yeah, that's- uh, you would think so. And actually, The Rock, The Rock's actually real hit and miss with his films. Like The Rock, I think, is is a bona fide, like, uh, you know, I'll watch him in anything. But a, lo- a lot of his movies actually real, real bad. <laughs> yeah, Rampage is not what I, what I was hoping it to be. But like yeah. Baywatch, like, did OK. They're, they're going to actually make a sequel while they have a sequel yeah. plan. That doesn't mean they'll actually do it. But, mm-hmm. you know, like not all reboots and remakes make money. Like there's been tons of like King Arthur films um, over the past two <laughs> decades and not just, all of them have been financially successful or as successful as they any expecting. I just want to point out that we've now talked about King Arthur and comic books because <laughs> Wayne's not on this show and he's going to listen to this. He's going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> But yeah, yeah, there, there's been, a, yeah, King Arthur, people, people really want to make King Arthur happen. Like there's been so many attempts to make so clear franchises based on, on King Arthur that have only gotten one film. Why? Since they've only ever, <laughs> I think it's because King Arthur is a story that has a pretty clear end. And you, if you don't, you know, pursue it to that point, then you, you're not really telling the story of King Arthur. So there's not really much room for a sequel. Well, but the, yeah. but the end of King Arthur is, and I will come again someday. I mean, that's like literally. Right, but that's, it's still the end. He never mm-hmm. actually comes again. So you, now, that well, would be an interesting movie if they did that. But you could do. But no one ever tries that. You can do so many stories in the King Arthur. I'm not <laughs> saying they should do it. But you can do <laughs> so many stories in the King Arthur universe because, you know, going back to Tennyson. Uh, in the 19th century, because that's what I do apparently on the show um, and life. I, I, I love that you find a way every every week. That's good. <laughs> no good, but but go sure. Yes, absolutely. He when he wrote Idols of the King, he didn't sit down and write his poems all in one go. He wrote them over the course of years and published them separately, and they were eventually collected. Um, and you know, like that that's not uncommon for writers of King Arthur. From before Tennyson to after Tennyson. Yeah, Mallory right. did the same thing. Yeah. So, uh, and like, you know, Chrétien de Troyes and other writers mm-hmm. didn't even... T.H. White did the same thing as well. Yeah, T.H. White, yeah. uh, did, those are four different novels that we smashed together into one. And, and all different time periods um, and countries. Um, but, you know, like they did, some of them didn't even finish their King Arthur stories. At, like Steinbeck wrote like King Arthur stuff and he didn't finish what he was doing. And that was a shame because it's the only Steinbeck I can stand to read, but that that's not important. The, you know, the point is you can, like, I think like King Arthur is a universe. And I think the people in particular, not just 
for King Arthur, but when coming up with what they think will be successful, they're like they're trying to think about universes because of things like the Marvel Cinematic Universe that have been so successful and long reaching. Uh, you know, like uh, Universal tried to do their like monster universe. That yeah, the dark universe, universe that <laughs> had one film and now it's done. <laughs> the DC universe is sort of happening, but also might be softly rebooted with Batman or something at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, clearly the recent King Arthur that just flopped The Legend of the Sword was clearly a setup for other movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I can go on. But I, I think that people want a cut of big money. And if you are able to like create find something that's more than just one story and a universe that works, like what Disney's trying to do with the standalone Star Wars films that also has been a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why not? Well, even within the King Arthur, I'm thinking of like Spencer's Fairy Queen, which is King Arthur universe, but it's not the prime King Arthur stories. There's no reason. I mean, Spencer could have written Fairy Queen outside of the Arthur mythos. It all but is, but it's not. You know, so I think there are attempts to. And, th- and this happens a lot. You, you know, you you have lots of attempts to do historical fiction or I'm trying to think of what else has been based in that world. They're bringing back Lord of the Rings. Somebody, I think HBO bought it or Netflix. Amazon, Max, you would probably know. Prime. Amazon. Okay. So, you know, I, I don't imagine that they're just going to do, I mean, God, I hope they're not going to just try to outdo Jackson's movies because you can't. So they're going to have to do. My understanding is they're going to do original stories that are outside of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, the boring ones. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Natalie, you talked about this at the very beginning is continuing the story with more stories, something that is part of adaptation theory. That's useful. I mean, so, cause most adaptations, there's always a question of do when I bring this book to the screen, to the comic book, to whatever, do I want to be faithful to the original novel or do I want to change it? And, I'm of the opinion if you're switching mediums, you almost have to. But there's also a lot of, you know, do I just invent new stories from whole cloth? I mean, I think that new stories taking place within the same world have been very successful. I mean, even with all of the Johnny Depp controversy, Fantastic Beasts, which I think comes out next week for recording this. It does. That's still going to make a mm-hmm. ton of money for Warner yes. Brothers. And even stuff like... The Fairy Queen. I mean, you're you're setting something inside of a world to comment on that world. You're not necessarily setting it inside the world because you can't come up with your own story, right? Um, I mean, you want to make some kind of dialogue with the adapted text, right? Mm-hmm. So when we create new stories within that world, we're still communicating with whatever the original text was. Um, and I think it's a pretty... What do I want to say here? I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> You're connecting with what the um, original text was. Yeah, I'm very tired, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you're having a dialogue with the original text that uh, the original text has to be there to have. Otherwise, you're just screaming into a void. Mm-hmm. A big feature of mass media is, I mean, you're telling stories. A storyteller tells stories for the stories to be listened to or seen or read, you know, so that's, so Mike, you said very, very early on, you know, the Sherlock Holmes, the appeal of it is, Hey, 
this is a character that people want to hear about, as opposed to if I made my own Bob Smith, genius detective, people would be like, what, who, you know, so, so you, so you use Sherlock Holmes because it gives you, it gives you an end to start telling your story. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, I think that's exactly it is. I mean, you get some, you know, you can think of, I can immediately think of some examples where, oh, someone wanted to tell a detective story and come up with someone brand new. And now we have Langdon from uh, Angels and Demons, or I guess Da Vinci Code is what everyone knows other than me. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> fair enough. Um, but, you know, that's a writer who had just the right combination at just the right time. Yeah, managed to get, you know, managed to create a new character from whole cloth and darn good job but most of us don't have the resources the the contacts or possibly even the writing skills sometimes to be honest to make a character new cloth but you take something like sherlock holmes and you automatically get the you get the love there um and you could, and this doesn't have to be just sherlock any character you want you know if you take a character it's why people love doing a doing their own fan fiction um, but you know, you take a character that exists, and people will immediately put their love on it or their hate if you screw it up. Oh man, will they put their hate on it if you screw it up? And that was going to be my next question. So you have the alternate thing. You have Solo. You watch that? Uh, of course, it's a, it's a it's a movie. Of course, I watched it. <laughs> what about Grand Times at the El Royale? Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I have not seen it yet. <laughs> I'm kidding. I it's. I, I was very busy the last couple of weeks, I, you know, do, doing this show and dissertation and the sh- last week's show, which you guys haven't heard yet, but is in my past, which was at the at the conference with Danny. I had a busy couple of weeks, but it is it is something I'm going to catch yeah, up yeah, on. I'm just going to give you a hard time <laughs> anyway, until you do. I know. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I could have just directed, I mean, deflected the attention by just pointing out that Riverdale was the best show on television. Um, no, anyway, it's not MASH. <laughs> um, anyway, but Solo, I saw, I saw Solo and my review of Solo was this would be a perfectly okay movie. If it wasn't called Han Solo, no one would have had any problem with this movie. It would have been a perfectly fine, Boring. you know, family. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. It, no, I mean, it was no more boring than any of the other 18 billion family action movies that get made any given year. It was a family action film. It was fine if you were seven. If you've never seen a family action film before, there are, you know, space pirates shooting at each other. And OK, and that's neat. I want. The only thing that like it was, I mean, it's not good. I'm not saying it's good. It's it's, so dumb, it's nice pirates, but it. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's it's a fine movie about, you know, it's a completely forgettable movie about space pirates shooting at each other. And if they hadn't named the character Han Solo and tried so hard to convince you that it was Han Solo, it would have, you know, made a couple hundred million dollars and everyone would have forgotten about it. But they forced you into the Star Wars mythology. They forced you to to look at it as you know, a reboot or a remake or an insertion. It's a prequel technically. And you watch it and you're constantly aware that you're not watching Harrison Ford. You're constantly aware that this is not the star Wars 
that you grew up with. You are constantly being reminded of Star Wars isms that no one ever cared about. Hey, have you ever wondered why he's, his name is Han Solo? No, no, I haven't. Well, we're going to tell you anyway. Have you ever wondered where he got his gun from? I don't know the store. No, we're going <laughs> to tell you where he got his gun. And you know, there's things like that. So I think there's a drawback to that. You, I mean, you get the automatic love of being Sherlock Holmes, but you also get all the baggage of if you do this wrong, the fans are going to fucking murder you. Well, like to give a example that is more, I think, a, a financially successful um, example, but also fans hate it. Uh, the I'm going to say it was a reboot of mm. Beauty and the Beast. Uh, oh, the, the the recent movie with Emma Watson. It made mm-hmm. I sh- it made a ton of money, mm-hmm. loads of money, but Emma Watson can't sing. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, because I I think that she's a very lovely person, it seems, whatever. I have nothing against her. But also, they they just, they had the same, like, critiques of, like, like, Solo. Like, oh, did you ever wonder, like, this, like, little, like, backstory plot point about the Beauty and the Beast that, uh, you know, exists in 1991? Well, we have decided to fill in the gaps for you and make it overly long. Um, Just for reference, $254 million production budget, grossed 504 domestically with a worldwide gross of one point two billion so yeah it did okay it, it did. <laughs> made some money it did fine yeah, disney yeah. Money, you know. yeah they're not they're not crying <laughs> and you know the disney itself is really like going into the reboot slash remake depending on the movie business of um adapting their animated classics into live action films like they're currently doing mulan they've done the jungle book they're they filmed our they're in post-production of the lion king they, they they have a long list. I've seen trailers for Dumbo, which I don't know why we need to do that, but fine, whatever. So, so they're they're really. Have you, never, have you never seen a horse fly? Have you seen a house fly? Next is bed knobs and broomsticks. <laughs> no, I'm making that up. Oh God, no, <laughs> no. They're, you know they're doing a sequel to Mary Poppins, but you know like, they're really like investing in the childhood nostalgia. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, well, and I think that's an important thing to remember when we're talking about these particular reboots, remakes, whatever, is are they intended for us or are they for a new generation? Like who is the intended audience here? We touched on this on the nostalgia show. Why do we make a new Ghostbusters? Because I loved Ghostbusters when I was a kid. So now I can force my children to watch it. That's the the intention. Like, why is there new Mary Poppins? I don't know, because, well, Max said it's it's for money. People will go see it. And a, a large part of going to see it is I'm going to force my, well, I don't have children, but I might force my children to go out and see Mary Poppins because I loved Mary Poppins when I was a kid, but I'm not necessarily going to go out and force them to see Mrs. Whoever's Imagineer, whatever that thing was from a couple of years ago that didn't do well. Mrs. Peregrine's home for, I don't know, kids who in movies that nobody watched. Kill your children, I think. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, but but I mean, and that's a that's a popular that's a popular book series, I think. I think mm-hmm. it's something that's out there that, you know, kids are reading, but 
mom and dad maybe don't want to see that because that's not their thing. You know, I don't know. It, it probably is a lot easier to get everybody in the family to go to the Mary Poppins remake than it is to get them to go to Paw Patrol, the movie because parents recognize the name. Right. Well, and Paw Patrol is insanely popular right now, but the nostalgia for Mary Poppins, the nostalgia for a Ghostbusters, the nostalgia for, for Transformers is something that, you know, Hey, I loved this when I was 10. So now as an adult, maybe I want to go. And that might pull parents in, but I don't think it's going to make the kids want to do it more. I don't think that they write the story for the parents. I think they write the story for the kids. I may have said as much that they write the story for a new generation. Like, I mean, that, that could be their PR spin on, we want to take a bunch of money from a new generation, but I mean, I mean, like the like kids today do like know some of the Disney classics, but they don't they don't know them like we do. Like when you know the Lion King came out in theaters, I was very small and went to go see it in theaters. Whereas now, someone who's you know three or four, or however old I was when it was released, will watch it on a VHS tape, maybe. So uh, VHS, what's a VHS? <laughs> what's a VHS, Grandma Hannah? <laughs> It's how I own the Lion King. Don't ju- I still have a VHS player because the Star th- Wars movies, you know, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. I have a VHS player. I have three VHS players because they might break and, and how am I going to replace them? So yeah, I, it's fine. <laughs> I also have Laserdisc. I told you I watch every movie. <laughs> I actually think the Star Wars movies are a great example of this though, because I'm just going to go ahead and assume that we all hate the prequels. Yeah. <laughs> That's my third one. Hate is a strong term. I don't love them. I don't. I don't. It's fine. Well, but I think why I think an even better reason the Star Wars prequels are a good example is the reason there are a lot of reasons to hate the prequels, but the reason that most people hate them is just Lucas didn't give you what Uh you wanted. Like, like people people wanted to see more of what they saw the first time and he tried to do something different. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. I, for one love knowing and Max knows what I'm going to say. I love knowing that the star Wars all began over a fight over um, trade tariffs and campaign finance reform. That's amazing to me. (laughs) And that's the plot. Yes. That's what happens. All of the star Wars are about, you know, this political battle because it's a war and that's how wars work. And Lucas thought that was interesting. And he thought that midichlorians were interesting. He was wrong, but he was trying <laughs> something new. That, that, that was great. You know, he was, he was trying to do something new in a way that the sequel series isn't really trying to do something new, which is pissing off other people, you know, like they're, Oh, well, this is exactly the same movie as an, as a new hope. Yeah. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. It's exactly the same. Han Solo tells you it is in the movie. <laughs> no, I, I like it. I like that movie. But Han Solo tells you, no, we're going to go and we're going to we're going to shoot the thing in the middle. And he's like, how do you know there's a thing in the middle? He says, there's always a thing in the middle to shoot. That's that's how you blow up Death Stars. I mean, yeah, yes, there are similarities <laughs> no. and there are parallels. And it does. It like the first one, uh, The Force Awakens really does lean into some of the nostalgia elements. Like I remember watching so, theaters and they would yeah they, they, they would pause you know when like the old characters would reappear and everyone would cheer and <laughs> but 
I, you know, this is not a Star Wars show, so I will not make my no. case. <laughs> oh, oh, but I have to say more about Star Wars. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to say that to me, like the uh, the prequels are like really bad Star Wars movies. And then the new ones, the sequels, are like really great Star Wars fanfic. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're so much more watchable. Yeah. But they're clearly, they are... They are doing, two guys who grew up watching Star Wars going, oh my God, they're going to let me make a Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, but that's kind of what we said. That's, we, that's, you know, Ryan Johnson and JJ Abrams are two kids who grew up with these movies who, Jesus Christ, they're letting me play in the sandbox. That's, that's a good thing. That's, you know, that is, Mike, that's why you're writing a Sherlock Holmes story. Well, I mean, I'm writing it because, you know, someone said, would you like to write a Sherlock Holmes story? I said, yes, but no, I agree. <laughs> I, I do want to point out, though, that whatever you're, ta- all the stuff we're talking about in the Star Wars, they're all sequels or prequels. You know, prequels are just, you know, temporally confused sequels, basically. Um, they're not reboots. <laughs> they, no, they're they are not. within the timeline. You know, all that's mm-hmm. canon, except for the stuff they threw out that was no longer canon. That's only from books. Well, let's see, let's see, that's the thing. <laughs> no, no that, that's the thing. Are they, are they reboots? Because there were sequels. I mean, yes, I realize they changed media formats, but the entire extended universe, blah, 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 blah. And yes, for your listening at home, I know there's an A timeline and a B timeline. And, you know, and I, I don't care. Trust me, you have no idea how much I don't care about the minutia of the bullshit of the extended universe. All I'm saying is there existed an extended universe of sequels that for some amount of time were canon. And then Disney bought it and said, never mind, we are rebooting it. It starts here. And there, but they, and it is a reboot because they are using in the Disney media characters from the extended universe. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn appears in the TV shows. Okay, so then the right. reboot starts at Force Awakens. Yeah, when Disney bought it, they said we are keeping as canon Star Wars one, two, three, four, five, six, and um, all the TV shows. No, no, not all the TV shows, and Clone Wars, and um, I think Rebels was out. I think that's what it's called. Yes. But they dropped. For instance, droids, which was that ever in continuity? What's I droids? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> droids what was, droids was the first Star Wars cartoon starring R2-D2 and 3PO. Oh, I forgot about that. Also the Christmas special. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the Christmas special, um, <laughs> Lucas had already removed, but they <laughs> dropped that. They, they dropped all the extended universe books. They dropped um, all the Ewoks movies, which are delightful. <laughs> the Ewoks are the best part of Return yeah. of the Jedi. You said that with a straight face. <laughs> I did, and I mean it. I, see, see, now, see, see, this is problematic because I want to just make fun of her um, because, like, she doesn't like Riverdale. <laughs> but but as Max knows, I, I also like Ewoks. <laughs> <laughs> They're like little tiny Wookies. They're so cute. I mean, but, so we we've talked about why people make reboots and why people watch them, and I, I think. You know, the thing that we've touched on a little bit is that some of the problems that come from them are like the lack of originality or, you know, whatever. But I think that actually reboots do sometimes allow us to have really original and interesting things because especially in the comics world, we do have like a lot of reboots or like superhero storylines set in different timelines and it allows 
individual writers to do interesting things. I am afraid that someone on the internet will be mad at me, but like in Star Wars, uh, the Last Jedi, Ryan Johnson does a lot of interesting things. I loved Last Jedi. All my favorite parts of Last Jedi were the parts where they weren't doing Star Warsy shit. And right <laughs> I there loved all, all the thumbs stuff. downs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Max knows that. I mean, you, you, you and I saw it together, and the parts I loved. Are, I don't. I don't care about the samey the samey stuff. It's like, oh wow, you're going to burn down the extended universe and and comment on it. That's that's a bold move, Ryan. <laughs> I'm going to come down firmly in favor of both Last Jedi and adaptations, remakes, reboots in general. I think they're all great. <laughs> um, Good. Yeah. And we've been talking a lot about the really bad ones, I think, so far. But I mean, there are so many other really, really great adaptations that do improve on the source material. I think I'm thinking of a Mad Max Fury Road, which was way better than any other Mad Max movie. It really is. Actually, Max, you're a huge Mad Max yes. fan. And I think um, you I'm gritting my teeth here because I love all the Mad Max movies, but I will admit that Fury, Fury Road is, is the one that's actually perfect. a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> they're all good movies, you son of a bitch. No, they're all enjoyable Fury movies. Fury Road is a perfect Mad Max movie. I, I would say they're all enjoyable movies. Fury Fury Road's actually good. But I think but I think Fury Road's kind of the exception. I mean, I was looking into it a little bit. Again, I like research. Remakes, reboots, etc. Mm-hmm. that do better than the original are rare. Yeah, super rare. I think, yeah. but I'd say Galactica. Does. I think Galactica. I think that's example. a money thing. I think that's that's going back going back to sort of the, the where we started. I think that's because people are trying to make money with these, so they don't try to reboot or remake something that failed the first time around. About the only kind of exception that comes to mind at all is um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy because who in their right mind thought that that was something that was going to (laughs) do well you know it's not like in the comic books it had any following at all ever well that was and and that was Gunn picked it because he wanted to be able to do whatever he wanted and it was the one thing where no one was going to care but just to bring back the joke Max thought I was going to make before they've been trying to get a Manimal film off the air for years they first announced that that was in pre-production in like 2012. Still hasn't happened, but it will right, one day. Because it wasn't a very good, uh, sorry, it wasn't a very good property to begin they with. They just haven't found the right, they haven't found the right writer yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, yeah, they want to tell the perfect story. someone out there yeah. who is a, the world's biggest Manimal fan, <laughs> the world's only Manimal fan. For those hey, who now. haven't seen Manimal, just YouTube the opening credits is all you need to know. I can say that about a lot of shows I watched as a kid. <laughs> to be fair, like I sure like not a lot of reboots or remakes are very good, but in the grand scheme of things, if we look at all the original content like put out in the world, mm-hmm. how much of it's very good? I good mean, we, we I think that because there's so many sequels and reboots and remakes and quote unquote non-original things we romanticize the idea of the novel are the new but as someone who's read a lot of standalone literature a lot of it sucks yeah i mean like like every time i teach a class with with bad books my kids are like why why do you like this and i say i don't don't like this book what do you make sure i'm just making you read it it's good power being the teacher (laughs) i make you read a yeah i make you read a lot of really bad things um so but there we do bring back something so I don't think anybody was screaming for a remake of MacGyver, but we but 
we're doing it anyway for sure. some reason. And then we're also we also brought back Magnum PI and took away the only thing I actually remember about Magnum PI was oh, the, the mustache. Shirt. Mustache. Yeah. yeah. Oh God! Yeah, yeah they, they kept the shirt. I for, yeah, yeah, yeah. They kept the shirt, and I forgot about that. Like, but they brought back Magnum PI, and it's a dude. It's a clean shaven dude. And I was like, what, what, what is this? Like, why, why would anybody want to watch? I mean, this? A Star Is Born is a remake, and it's apparently doing very, very well. Right? That's still it's really good. It's it's really it's it's for, um, the Stars Born. Stars Born mm-hmm. is the fourth version of that film. <sighs> It's prob. It's hard to say because I still I've only seen the new one once, and it's hard for me to like really put it in perspective because they're all commenting on like sort of a different version of celebrity from a different time period. It's arguably the best one. It's it's going to be remembered at reward season. The previous one was with Chris Christopherson and Barbara Streisand is awful. It is so, so bad. It is so beyond bad. And then the first two are actually pretty good. The, the, the original is really good. So I, you know, it's hard. That's a, that's a very interesting thing because I would argue that all movies, all, all text comment on the culture in which they're created. And all four of them are movies which are specifically about commenting on celebrity culture in their own era. Like that's the plot of each film. Well, the plot is actually the same for each film, but that's the subtext of each film is how, how do we deal with celebrity in the 1930s, 1970s, 19 or 2018? Like that's what each movie is about. So I don't, Ooh, I don't know how to look at that one. Well, and here's something that we haven't really talked about yet. Um, We've mostly been talking about, you know, American remakes of things, but what about when something goes from one culture to another like um kurosawa's uh mm-hmm. seven samurai and the magnificent yes, seven absolutely. so that becomes and what is that is it, i mean i guess it's a remake yeah, definitely seven i mean it, it's the same movie yeah. I, I don't think we call it a reboot we call it a, re, mm-hmm. a remake it's very much a reimagining you know we've moved them from samurai times to the old west interestingly enough you know the, the samurai times that kurosawa uses and the old west that every cowboy movie uses neither of those times ever actually historically exist existed in the ways in which they're depicted in in either film but i mean what is the work that's being done by by making that transformation and again natalie this is exactly your your area yeah i mean i'm not gonna lie uh my fiance has been trying to get me to sit through all of Seven Samurai like (laughs) since we met and he has not accomplished that yet just try the anime no, you shouldn't. No, I no, mean, you shouldn't. You should. No, shot. you should. Watch. If you're gonna watch one, watch the film. He's wrong. <laughs> but I do love me some Magnificent Seven. I'm, I love an old Western film, and I even like you know talking about remakes. I even like the remake of that with Chris Pratt. <laughs> I okay. So I watch every movie. I did not bother. I did not see the. <laughs> I did not see the remake of that. I knew. I knew it happened. I forgot that it happened until just this moment because I was just like, oh yeah, that's, that's a thing that is, that exists in this world. I'm not convinced. Mm-hmm. Cool thought. <laughs> he didn't need to, he was in it. It's fine. But yeah. So what is, what happens when you, I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, we we're talking about things that do better. I know there are a lot of fans of it, but the office is a remake of the British office and fans of the British office say, Oh, well yes, but this one's better. Yeah. But is it though? The other one's more popular. It's, it's far more popular. I think they're different. Yeah. 
I think it's probably better here for us and this audience. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think there's either one is going to be objectively better than the other. Yeah. Things are both like interesting in their own ways. Like I, I taught, um, Bride and Prejudice, which is like the Bollywood British film Institute, Hollywood fusion adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, which mm-hmm. that from the title. And uh, it's a film that's, it does like globe trot a bit, but it's set mostly in Amritsar, India. Um, and it really like, it says interesting things about the cultural differences and time differences between Austin and, you know, the contemporary moment. And the differences in, you know, English and Indian culture. And it also, like, speaks back to the novel. um, And it puts itself into a dialogue with something that's from the 19th century in the sense that Jane Austen, for example, like, in Prime Prejudice in particular, ignores empire a lot. I I think that even people who don't say Jane Austen like to make the joke that Prime Prejudice is a novel that seems to be about the Napoleonic war or that time period without actually acknowledging the Napoleonic war. Um, yeah. and, but if obviously England in the 18th and 19th centuries had a vested interest in its colonies and global interest, including India and Brian prejudice is a way of like retrospectively looking back and understanding colonialism in relation to Austin's original novel. Mm-hmm. Again, I have connected this to the 19th century. You're welcome. <laughs> well, and I think Slumdog Millionaire does the, the same thing with like great expectations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, a Slumdog Millionaire? I mean, oh shit. How did I never... I love great expectations and I love Slumdog Millionaire. That re, mm, I never noticed that before. Huh. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> See, and I, and I pick up, I picked up, I mean, I know Lion King is Hamlet, but Jesus. <laughs> Slumdog Millionaire's great expectations. Huh. Yeah, I never. I'm without. I mean, it's missing a lot of pseudo incest. But um. <laughs> I've got some news for you about ten things about you, or ten things I hate about you. I, I, I know that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Rosebud's a sled. If you want, you know, if if you want to talk about the uh, adaptation that improves upon the original, ten things I hate about you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm not a Shakespearean scholar. Go for it. Sure. (laughs) I'm not either, but Tammy the Shrew is super sexist. So sexist that as a seventh grader, we were supposed to like perform it. And I led my class in a (laughs) protest, true story, that it was too sexist to perform, which was partially motivated by the fact that I was state, had stage fright and didn't want to do it. Um, (laughs) Hashtag feminism. <laughs> I, I, I later developed my ideals, but uh, the the film um, actually makes Cat, the main character, a feminist and rewrites like the really awful sexist narratives in an interesting way. So mm-hmm. yeah, well, because the original play, you know, she she is mean, you know, not mean spirit. She's high spirited and and independent, and that's a problem. And she's literally beaten <laughs> down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the original play is, oh, God, this is a, a free-minded woman. We've got to fix this. <laughs> That's the point of the original play. So, Weirdly enough, not the most offensive of Shakespeare's plays, though. Not that weird. <laughs> 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 so... So where do we move? Where do we move from there? What else? What else do we have to think about if we're talking about adaptations and video games? 
we already talked about comics and you know since wayne's not here so without katia here sure talk about video games go for it <laughs> actually I've, I, I i have been thinking on this one especially in relation to the show and this one's complicated because so a lot of reboots for video games just you know end up being new graphics okay we've got the coolest new uh we've got vga now let's make a reboot <laughs> Uh, oh man, I'm showing my age, mm-hmm. but, um, the, uh, but not always. And sometimes you get them in the weirdest cases. So, uh, you know, the XCOM series, I assume you do. I am. I don't, I haven't played it cause I'm not Katia, but sure. I know, <laughs> I know what it is. <laughs> uh, so the original game, uh, didn't get, you know, it was something of a cult game, but then again, all sort of DOS games were something of a cult game back then. Um, the very good game, very good story, Aliens Tragic of the World, you defend it with uh, effectively, while it's a government force, you're effectively the, uh, you know, the, oh crap, I can't remember what they're called, the uh, underground, in a sense. Uh, you know, and it tells that story, and you eventually fight the aliens, go to their planet and kick their butt. Um, and then they made a second game right off the bat. And it was literally the same game. Uh, and not even, I'm not even going to say improved graphics. Mm-hmm. Like the whole difference between this game and the, and the, the first game was you could open doors without walking through them. That's it. Big mm-hmm. difference. That's not just a video game. I mean, that's, that's someone having a budget or a technology they didn't have. Um, the, the examples that I can think of from film, evil dead, yeah. evil dead Two same basic movie or moreover but see even but like that almost acknowledge i mean that's fine desperado and el mariachi are the same movie and it's and also a sequel like desperado is a sequel to el mariachi with the exact same plot and the storyline is el mariachi happens and they get the bad guy in the end and then at the beginning of desperado well but that wasn't the real bad guy the real bad guy is somebody else so let's just keep going sure (laughs) that's that's the plot of Desperado. It's a far better movie because El Mariachi is, I shouldn't say better. It's a better, it's a more polished movie because El Mariachi was made for money that he found in his couch. Whereas <laughs> Desperado had a production budget. I'm Max, two of your favorite movies. Am I joking? No, no, that's literally the truth. Like El Mariachi is an extremely charming movie. When you realize that he financed it for like $47, like there's, I mean, there's nothing. He's got nothing going on there. And, you know, and then the main character shifts, but the actor who played the, the Mariachi in the first film is still in the second movie, but he's playing somebody else because we can afford Antonio Banderas now. And like, there's so much that's just weird about it. Yep. And I, I guess it's a sequel. It's a reboot. So, so sometimes, I mean, I, I get the, I get wanting to take another shot at something just because you've got the technology to do sure. better. I mean, sometimes it's not a reboot, but you know, it's things like, like Lucas with the, with the special editions. Oh, I can really go and go crazy with my Jabba now and make this movie worse. <laughs> you know, <laughs> first. Like they, yeah, things like that. You know, you can, you know, you can, you can go back and you can tweak things, but I understand why he wanted to do it. So, yeah, but like, I mean, as I was, yeah, I agree with you. And as I was saying, you know, like I said, that, but you, you jump 20 years in the future, they do XCOM again. And this time effect, I'm going to say the first one was effectively a remake or that first sequel. They call those sequels a remake. The second one, it feels like a, it feels like they 
really went to town and not just because they had better graphics, but they decided they're going to sort of tell that same story again, but in a whole much more plot powerful way. And it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just access to better technology. This was, they made a conscious effort to, to take a fan base they knew they had and engage them. You know, and that's, so that's sort of one example you get in video games, but you also have Tomb Raider that fully rebooted uh, about four or five years ago. Like they made a game that was, mm-hmm. they, they were outright said, this is our reboot. We have gone back to the very beginning. We are telling from the very start. This is we're same characters, same locations, new story. You know, so, and then you've got the upcoming Final Fantasy VII remake where they've just decided they're going to make it an action RPG. Supposedly the same story, but completely different mechanics. Okay, so that one's about money. Yeah. Fine. But I think that, I mean, I think that being in video games doesn't change the stuff we've been saying before. I mean, you've got one that is an attempt to play in the world again. You've got one that's an attempt to just make more money. And you've got one that's an attempt to, you know, sort of tell a different story that is attached to, you know, that has the built-in audience of nostalgia for something that you know. You know, people are going to buy the Lara Croft game. They might not buy the, you know, Sarah Smith archaeologist game. (laughs) No, I doubt they will, sadly. But... (laughs) I'll buy that. That sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to get to write it? That's not my job. I'm the consumer. (laughs) (laughs) You're just offering the money. Natalie in this. (laughs) I'm sorry, Natalie. Hannah in this, actually. I think we are unable to resolve who's going to end it, just like we have resolved nothing in this episode. (laughs) How about that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's like we, you know, we always do. We, you know, we have questions and we generate more questions by talking about it. I think we have a good definition. I don't know that it solves anything because I, I'm still not sure what the question is other than why do we like these things? And the, the why is familiarity. The why is because, I mean, how do you define why anyone likes anything? The why is because we like them. <laughs> I mean, they're going to do a clue. <laughs> remake soon no yeah ryan reynolds it's my favorite movie of all time i'm still disappointed in ryan reynolds and i'm never disappointed in ryan reynolds <laughs> maybe it'll be good maybe we're judging prematurely and we'll like it it can possibly be better than the original it can possibly uh, no <laughs> everybody wants to believe in santa <laughs> anyway thank you all for being here (laughs) as always natalie we'll start with you where can people find you oh hardly anywhere um locked in my (laughs) office most of the time (laughs) i'm really i'm not public on the social media you're welcome to try and find me on facebook if you can uh i'm co-chairing the mardi gras conference at lsu so any grad students out there listening come visit me there I have some things in the works, but nothing I can pimp just yet. Which is what she said last time she was I on the know. show. I know. I'm going to be saying for the next like 10 years. Uh, Strauss, what about you? Uh, well, yeah, not much I can pimp around. Uh, I, I pimped the stories I was just publishing, but I can't remember their name right now. <laughs> if he remembers them, there might or might not be um, books written by Strauss. You know, 
in the show notes and I'm sure they're great <laughs> so great that the guy who wrote them forgot the title of his own fucking book short story <laughs> anthologies but yes <laughs> yeah just anyway. blanking right now it's been a long night okay, Max what about you uh, I have a new album out you have a new album out which has been yes you know, which will be linked in the show notes what's yes. it called uh, invisible zombie movie see how easy that was Strauss <laughs> <laughs> Nothing <laughs> uh, to do with Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Palindrome Hannah. Yes. Where can people find you? You've been on uh, the show enough times. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Hannah Lee Rogers. Though to be fair, it's mostly just my rants about Star Wars or whatever. So follow at your own risk. No worries. Sometimes you talk about Kesha. I do, and Kant. <laughs> and, and I'm going to get you talking about Riverdale as soon as you watch all of it because it's the best it show ever. Not the best show. You can, I feel like you can't say <laughs> until you've seen Sabrina. I, I will watch Sabrina. It's the same creator. It's the same team. But, and Sabrina is infinitely better. And I like Riverdale. And it might get taken off the air soon because it's being sued by the Satanic Temple, which makes it all the better. Yeah, Sabrina's being sued, sued but that might be another show. But anyway. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show on Twitter at Vox Popcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com where you can find out about the next show, comment on it, and you know maybe even appear on the podcast like these fine people. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher or I think SoundCloud. I don't know. Wherever podcasts come from, if you subscribe to the show, especially on iTunes, make sure you leave us a review. Reviews help people find the show through magic that no one understands and they also make me happy. And I want to be happy. I don't have a great life. I'm working on a dissertation. As I told you, it's very sad and pathetic. It will make me happy. It will make Hannah happy. Right, Hannah? <laughs> Hannah fell asleep. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I've just been... You, you just need uh, silence with that. Normally, I would thank Maximilian from Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song, Building Ever So Epically Right Now, but I already did. You can follow Max on, well, you told you told them where, but where, once, one more time, you can pep yourself. Where uh, you Bandcamp, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. Uh, put them in the notes. Yep. Linked in the show notes. I'd like to thank you at home for listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks again, guys. Bye. Bye. familiar about all that.